1: Somehow California still stayed in our minds. Eh? So we ended up going to California for about four and a half years. And um, she, so she studied psychology and I did theology. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where, now that was part of the story of how we met people like Kanji and yeah. Christian. I don't those understand guys. what
2: the story is, this story has history. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have you have a lot of history. You go to... You go to now, California, so and, we California. And you went there with the intention of, okay, I'll study theology. Yes,
1: so I'll I study theology. Again, fun, crazy miracle story.
2: I mean, Does this mean now you leave chapel? Like it's not, it's so, not chapel like, sends us. Or, chapel sends yeah, us. Yeah. chapel sends
1: okay. us. And uh, they, they graciously said, I mean, we can't afford it. Obviously, if you're asking us for a scholarship, we don't have money. And if, of course, it's one. Of you, we picked some of the most expensive schools in the world. Uh, I mean, in, in, uh, to study what we're studying. But it's like, if you guys have chums go. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So I mean, of course, we're married now. It's not like when you're single and you can now try and push. Yes. So I mean, now it's like, how do we get the money? But again, God really provided miraculously. Um, I got the only scholarship that the school gave that was a total scholarship, like a full full, full paid uh, tuition scholarship. Um, and And again, these stories don't just happen by the way. I think a lot of it has to do with purpose Mm. because we really felt, at that point I just thought, I want to understand what the church has to do to reach people who don't like church. And I I was just like, I don't think I'll learn it here. At that point, Mm. there were very few people. Now you can, Mm. there are people thinking that way. But back in the day, nobody was thinking that way. And so I was like, I need to be in an out of the box place where people, already the culture is not pro-Christian. And to see what is the church doing to reach people who already are turned off by Christianity. And so that was so, it was such a purpose thing that we need to go for that reason. Um, and like I said, That's crazy. we ended up getting a full scholarship, um, which was the only one in the school. So no American, no, nobody else got it except me. Um, no one in the world got that scholarship no That year, <laughs> It was me who got that scholarship. Um, and it was a crazy story because at some point we, they didn't write back to us, so we, there was no uh, email, so it was my calls at night trying to call them. So at some point I gave up, uh, Carol kept pushing, and we even missed the date. You know, I've told, you've told guys we're off, I don't know, mm. it's so embarrassing. You've told guys, yeah, by September we'll be done, nini <laughs> we started telling guys we want to sell our stuff, and then September comes and guys are still seeing you in town like,
2: Umi. <laughs> what
1: happened? was <laughs> one of those, I was so disillusioned. But anyway, fast forward, God allowed just through her faith, we finally went. Then we realized the whole reason, the whole thing that had been happening is God had been orchestrating something really miraculous because, because of missing that September intake, I was able to come in and that scholarship was available
2: when we landed.
1: You know, what had I got in when I thought we were going to get in? I would not have gotten it.
2: No, it may be a half scholarship or something. Well,
1: maybe none. You know, I mean those things were not easy to <laughs> get. <huh? laughs> maybe none. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's one. Then again, had we come in at the time that we were supposed to come in, Carol would not have, because she didn't get her psychology. They didn't they didn't get her, her her papers got lost in the mail, mm. so she didn't get her 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 degree. She didn't. She, they didn't accept her in the school. They only accepted me. So again, a huge oh. crushing disappointment. But then what we re- when we landed, they said. We have a half scholarship for somebody who is studying, whose spouse is a full-time student. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she so I get a full one and a half to study theology, not to study psychology. Yes. So but then because she didn't get the 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 applic- they didn't get her application, she didn't get a student visa. She got a student wife visa. And the visa I got allowed the student's wife to work full-time. So all of a sudden, have a full scholarship to study theology. She has a half, half scholarship, scholarship to study theology. And she has a job that can afford to pay for the other half. And so she finishes all that. Um, and then, I mean, this, 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 it's a crazy story. Yeah. It's the it's a, it's a things you read about <laughs> that, you, that you think happen to other people. When we finish, she finishes her first degree because it was a two-year degree. And I'm still going on. So she's like, but you know, me, I didn't come here to study theology. Uh, me, I came to study psychology. And me, I'm like, dude, a uh, chick. I mean, God, God, God has really given us banner. We nobody gets what we have. Eh? So, me, I'm like, stop disturbing God. Let's because she's telling me, let's pray for my scholarship so even me, I can study psychology. I'm like, hey, I think we've over prayed now. Eh? Let's leave God out of this. She's like, no, we need to pray because if God could give you your scholarship, why can't He give me mine? And so, we began to pray. And so, I mean, it happened so weirdly. There's a guy in church, um, who was, um, he was actually sitting, he used to sit, the church we used to go to, were the only Africans. And in fact, I used to wonder why are we in this church, you know, but for some reason, God really wanted us in that church, a small little church, nothing exciting. Uh, They didn't have many resources, but we just felt for this season, we need to be here. So this guy used to always sit there. So one day we're having coffee after church and the guy comes up, asks us what we do. So I tell him, but then, of course, Carol says, yeah, fuck me, i finished. I'd like to study psychology. I'm trying to apply at my school, Fuller, but they are not. Uh, they don't have opportunities right now. So the guy says, oh, have you heard of this other school? It's called Azusa Pacific, and it's a really good school. We've not heard of it. It's like they've got a really good uh, psychology program. In fact, many of the guys who teach in it were at Fuller. So it's actually at par, yeah. but they tend to have more scholarships. So we're like, no, we've never heard of it. He says, I mean, give me your email because I, I can send you some info about it. Your, your, your address. This is pre-email. So, we give yes. you our address. So, next week in the mail, we get this brochure from the school. You know, the big ca- ca- yes, yeah, uh, catalogue. Yeah. So, you get the book. Of course, you're going through all the programmes. Then you come to the School of Psychology. The big picture of the dean, because each, each school has a picture of the dean, it's that dude. <laughs> so long story short, she gets the full scholarship ah. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets her psychology degree paid for and so she came out with two degrees out of it and this was all God's intention because she's the one who was able to bridge theology and, and psychology, psychology. Yeah. and be able to bring and a lot of what Mavuno, Mavuno's, the things we've done at Mavuno have had a lot of her, her psychology because psychology teaches you to think how people are thinking mm. as opposed to starting with where you are, you start with where people are thinking and I yeah. think we need to actually use, we need to teach the Bible, understanding where people are. And I think that's what genius, the genius of Carol and what she's been able to bring to Mavuna is the ability to think where people are thinking.
2: Yeah. That is insane.
1: So that's, so for, for the next four and a half years, we're out of commission. So, so, so when
2: you were in America, you were, for those four years, you were in school? We are in school
1: um, most of the time um but a couple of interesting things happened number one we started meeting all these young kenyans yeah sort of. who are just in a, i mean many of some of them used to be saved S- christian union went to state two, state two, just slap slap them around many of them were out of status they were in debt, doing messed up things and so I've, i mean we started meeting a lot of young kenyans and a couple of them actually approached us and said guys you're your pastors eh? we desperately need pastors in this place <laughs> be our pastors so I remember just sitting down with Kara and saying, okay, we'll do it. And we started meeting. So I started meeting four guys uh, every Sunday. And Kara started meeting four girls. So we'd cook for them. We'd care. We'd, I mean, they'd come to our house, make chapels. And after church, I mean, on Sunday, they'd just sit the whole... We'd talk through the whole evening uh, on Sundays. And it became a standing date for quite a few years. Now, those four guys, you know them. <laughs> Kaima, Ka- Kanji, Hari, and Christian. They were not Milele at that point, they were just actually a group of friends. Okay, okay. So those guys actually ended up becoming uh, the group Milele and became a very, very popular music, music group. But at that point, that was not even in the cards. Um, my thought was just, let, let me just help these guys.
2: In fact, Kanji narrates and says the first time he, he you heard them sing, he came and asked you, hey, so what did you think? You were like, hey, you guys have nice suits. And
1: it was true, it was, <laughs> they sounded terrible. Because what happened is they found a benefactor. There was this lady who really liked Christian. Eh? Yeah. And so she hooked them up with a phenomenal keyboard eh? and, a, and a gig. Yeah. So they had they had the gear and then gave them a serious gig. And the gig was like serious bands. Mm. She was a wealthy woman. So she had this party she'd call her friends to on Christmas and she'd have like five like world-class bands in a very nice property she owned. Yeah. So I mean, we're not talking about like a cosmos. I mean, Christian has a way of just knowing really impressive people. So... This mama said, you guys are going to be the main act. <laughs> so we've listened to all these world-class bands, and then now drum roll, you know, <laughs> Midnight's, <laughs> Milele. And I was like, are these boys ready for this? And sure enough, they no, start. I was like, you guys are not ready. You're not ready. So, but they had some uh, pinstripe suits. Eh? <laughs> so that's all I could remember. The suits were nice. You were
2: embarrassed for the Kenyans. I was actually
1: embarrassed. <laughs> But the weird thing is that's the only time I ever got embarrassed hearing those guys. Yeah. because I think from that gig they worked like dogs huh? mm. and the next time I had them I couldn't believe. They were, I was like, what happened? I mean something switched yeah And every time I had them from that point on they just got better and better and better. They just put in I think they had the discipline to just put in the hard work mm. in their craft. Uh, I think when they first got the equipment they were just using skills yes yeah uh, but after that they really just became hard workers and they became a, all phenomenal musicians.
2: Hey, for those of you who haven't watched the Milele series, it's also on this channel. Yeah. Okay, back to you, uh, Pastor.
1: So the other thing that I did, I mean, so helped start that. uh, A lot of other young Kenyans began to kind of rally around us. So we ended up uh, now even finding a place where we could actually hire on Saturdays. So we started having a fellowship. Yo! And it grew. It really, started doing church. We actually, it, it, we didn't call it church. We just call it fellowship. Because mm. us guys, I mean, we're just—it's like we're just caring for these guys. We had no such ambitions. But it was so interesting because with time, a, a group of older Kenyans were meeting. They had a fellowship as well, and so they were like, "Why don't we combine our two groups and form a church?" And I had never thought you could plan. I'd never had no ambition of starting a Kenyan church. Because mm. for me, I've always thought, "Why Kenyan? I mean, why can't it be an integrated church for everyone?" Mm. But I think I'd seen how these students also struggled and how these people, when they went and relocated, struggled so hard. Because even when they went to different churches, nobody really understood where they were coming from. And so at that point, just on the basis of just loving these young people, I was like, let's do it. So we actually formed a church. I became the youth pastor. The girl who was leading that uh, fellowship became the senior pastor. I got ordained by that church. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And we actually got a venue, started meeting on Sundays, the church grew. Uh, Started doing youth camps, just like the Word of Life camp where I got saved. I remember one camp we had 200 uh, young adults, Kenyan Kenyan young adults come. And we do it every year. We started doing musicals. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. So we actually planted a church which exists still today. What's the, what's the name of the church? It's called Kenya Interdenomination Christian Church. KICC. Oh, yeah. I just remember KICC. Yeah. I'm sure I've watched up something there. Yeah. Uh, and actually started even other several other churches. So I've actually, I've been there and visited. In fact, it was so funny, I went with a group of people from Mavuno the last time I went and none of them knew the story. So it, at some point, it was very weird, because it felt like going with your dad somewhere and then discovering he has another family, Because yeah? all the guys were <laughs> like, oh, pastor! And the guy, like, no, this is our pastor! <laughs> you know? But I mean, we were very privileged to be part of that journey. So that church actually started, but when time came to go, go back, we actually said, we're done. Uh, we need to come back to Kenya. Uh, we also got to pastor a church for about uh, nine months, uh, six to nine months uh, in, in, in Wisconsin, which was a college ministry that was completely um in the city of milwaukee Mm. um very secular young people
2: so and this is not kenya this is just no no, so so this was we just got an internship with a church there Mm.
1: and we were made in charge i mean we weren't thinking we're going to work under somebody but when we got there that guy had just been fired Mm. and so they told us you're in charge and so for for those months we looked after a group of very like it was like it's the first time i met people who have no idea about like when you say no, God said to Moses, the first question, okay, hold, hold, hold up. <laughs> Who's Moses? Like, they'd never even yeah. known that there was even... Like, the concepts were completely Greek to them. Completely unchurched. And for me, again, that was a very formative stage for Mavuno because it helped me begin to now have a compassion for young people to say, don't assume people know what you're talking about, you know? We had to, our language had to be completely, um, completely uh, simple mm-hmm. for people to even understand what you're talking about. You had to declutter, remove all the Christianese and actually just speak from the heart and it was a fantastic time we had a really really great experience uh, with those students as well so then we came back
2: and and and, and, and let me channel. say the students this were not kenyans again completely so, so American this is diff- even different culture different culture yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so, that was so a this was you're going to this
2: this was your going to turukana
1: this <laughs> you guys do missions here it was missions completely yeah. and i mean this i mean the americans and i mean i'm still friends with some of them and it was interesting how Those guys were completely, I mean, it was such a good experience because Mm. teaching the gospel to people who have no clue what the gospel is. Uh, So it really made me conscious about some of the things we say as Christians where we assume people understand Christian culture Mm. and they just don't. So I think in all these things, God was just preparing us for what would come when we went back home.
2: Okay, yeah. so and, and, uh, and I like what you're saying because for you it was always clear that you're coming back home because of the purpose. We knew, you know, it's like we came here to study and go back home and I, change our generation. I know guys who've gone to Stato and they're coming and they're still in Stato. You know, actually what happened when we finished,
1: because I did really well in my studies, mm-hmm. um, I actually got offered by two different professors, two very good professors. I was offered a full ride to do a PhD. They offered me like full, be a teacher's assistant, full paid. Uh, and to both of them, I said, no, um, I'm, I'm going home. I, I'm, I'm done with why I came. Uh, PhD was not part of the plan. And I remember talking to one of my friends who was a Korean and telling him, uh, dude, uh, these two guys have offered me. And the guy actually told me, you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, those were his words, like, you're stupid. Like, nobody gets that opportunity. This opportunity isn't being given to other people in mm. the school. How dare you be so presumptuous that you can say no? You know, it's almost like how do you? It's like you're spiting God by saying no. And actually, even the guys at the church that we had started, um, we were we had delegations coming to tell us, "You guys are not hearing God. This, this is, you know, the devil is confusing you guys." You remember at that point, Kenya was actually doing really badly yeah. as a country. Yeah. The economy had actually hit, I think, negative 0.3 growth rate. Uh, people of like the the U.S. Embassy had lines yep. around it. <laughs> guys trying to get out of the country. Planes coming in were empty. Every plane leaving was full. So it wasn't the time. Nobody was coming back to Kenya at that point. So guys were like, "Dude, we can give you a job. We can get you a, a, a work. Um, mm-hmm. You can get your permit to stay here. Why would you go back? We have a legitimate church. It's registered. You're the guys who started it. I mean, Duh. But for us, we were like, no, that, that would take too long. Uh, that's not our plan, we we need to get back. And so they had a party for us and they released us. I remember we had one camp, we had our final camp with the young people. And I mean, God really checked in on that camp. It was, you know, these young guys, many of them were they were smoking weed though. Mm. I mean, Stato had, had a kiss at people. Huh? Mm. But in that camp, so many people got saved. So many people made radical commitments to follow Jesus. And I remember at that point that Many of them came up to us and said, "Yeah, you're right. I think your time your time is done. Mm. You guys can go back. I think we've got this." And I remember just telling guys, "Yeah, you guys have this." And we we got on a plane, put all our stuff, and we came back home and started working at the Ruby Chapel.
0: This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play, or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I app.
1: And I remember at that point that many of them came up to us and said, yeah, you're right. I think your time, your time is done. Mm. You guys can go back. I think we've got this. And I remember just telling guys, yeah, you guys have this. And we, we got on our plane all our stuff, and we came back home, and started working at Nairobi Chapel.
2: Okay, so you came back and plugged into back into Nairobi Chapel. Nairobi
1: Chapel, Gracious Church, had been waiting for us. Mm. So uh, Bishop Oscar, his and team, now this
2: time, it's changed. Has it grown? Is it? Four it's grown.
1: Years? Uh, things have changed. I mean, some of the things we began have now become huge. We had begun a, a youth fellowship at the university called Salt. Uh, you started Salt actually Car- carol started salt yeah <laughs> carol was the first what? person who came up yeah these are things you only even, find out even here. came up with the word salt huh? i mean yeah. i still remember having our little brainstorming and coming up with serving so a living transformer um what? It, it, i mean so we came back and it had taken a life of its own it had really really grown uh we started the youth ministry at chapel it had really grown i mean we were pioneers of the worship team now there were multiple mm. worship teams so i mean the church had been growing in our absence
2: in fact Caberia. Talks about how when he was in Desta, and again go and watch the Kaberia interview. Mm. How for him they are listening. He's listening to music and he's listening to this guitar that and live recording. And then he flips and he says, "Oh my God, this is Nairobi From Chapel." Nairobi Chapel. That and was <laughs> that was us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the, part of the writers of the of that album yeah. were, were were you and Pastor Kiama.
1: Yes, I was a music writer. I, I, I was a songwriter. Actually, before we even went to the states, we're done some of those live recordings.
2: Which again, what is what people think is normal now, that was ahead of its time. It was
1: way ahead of its time. Nobody had done that, nobody was doing that. Um, I remember the first recording we did, uh, it was called Milele Shikrani. I mean, nobody, it was just ahead of its time. And I remember, I mean, I, I actually, I was a songwriter, so I remember being, I mean, we, we recorded songs. Actually, in the, in the States, I actually even licensed uh, some of those songs to be used in different uh, different spaces. Um, Whoa. So, I mean, we were we were really, the church was actually on the cutting edge in some major ways. There was a lady called Massimo here, who God had allowed to become the music uh, director at that time. She was so gifted. And so she really pushed up our standards uh, to a very high level that no church at that point was. And that's why a lot of the young people now were coming. Mm-hmm. So we came back and found this church really growing mm-hmm. and uh, came back around 2010.
2: You had understood uh, not to not to interject, but I just want to emphasize on the point of you had understood the power of music in in teen culture and in absolutely in, in youth culture.
1: Absolutely, yeah. youth culture, uh, sight and sound generation. So it's almost like the <laughs> the co- the packaging is almost as important as the content. <laughs> mm. You can have great message, but if it's got bad packaging, nobody will buy it. Mm. And so just coming back with that understanding now, of like yeah, this is we have to go all out. Um, in the States, I got to, to see some churches that were taking some significant risks uh, to reach uh, non-Christians. The, the, the church, that, that group I worked with in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. the reason I wanted to work there and do an internship is because the guy who got fired, the guy who I took over from, he was one of the most radical guys I'd ever met. I mean, he was willing to take all risks to reach, to reach these unchurched young, young students. So I think i had been exposed to some people who are not afraid to take risks. Mm-hmm. And that became very useful for me later on when we took some risks <laughs> at Because of course, all these things, you always get backlash, mm. but because you've seen other people doing it, getting backlash, but then understanding why they're doing it, you know? I think that became very helpful. Understanding church history, again, studying church history, beginning to see that with every reformation, every revival, every time God did something crazy, there was always people who took risks. And and they were always willing to be unconventional. They always got bashed for it. Some of them got killed for it. But as a result, they were able to help the faith take the leap into the next generation. So coming back and seeing some of those predecessors and understanding what they did. I mean, I I remember reading about a guy called Martin Luther. Martin Luther was one of the greatest reformers in the church. Mm. And one of the things he did is because the church was speaking Latin. um, Because everybody thought Latin was a holy language. You know, because Latin was a language of the Roman Empire, of the Roman Emperor when Constantine um, accepted Christianity. So all the Bibles were in Latin, the priests spoke Mm. Latin. And the guy's like, why? So he's a guy who was pioneering, the Bible has to be translated to German. We have to create German songs. Watch these Latin chants. So he went to the bars and he picked the right, he picked the pop songs of the bars. He was a monk, but he picked the pop songs of the bars and he created what we now sing as some of the (laughs) hymns in church. I was like, this is what these guys did. And so I think understanding that allowed me to come back with a very different sense of, I think we can take risks. I think the gospel in Africa, people think that the gospel is actually a Western creation. It isn't. Mm. Uh, The gospel actually came out of the Middle East. Jesus looks more like Osama bin Laden than than he does Donald Trump. (laughs) 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 And and I mean, for me, it's almost that sense of, no, 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 this gospel is actually even more African than it is Western because it came to Ethiopia Ethiopia. long before it came to, to Europe. Uh, and definitely many more years before it came to America. So understanding those things really gave me a confidence for this is who we have to reach our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back with a, with such a joy for that and such a, a zeal and really got plugged back into Nairobi Chapel in another few years.
2: Oh, and you came back with more... This is so important. And I say this for the sake of the new pastors. You came back with more than just a spiritual feeling that you need to change. You actually went and got the intellectualness behind it. Absolutely. So you're not forming Absolutely. a church. You're yeah. not starting a so, church. I mean, God has taken some...
1: Think about the years I've taken, because I've grown up with, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a church home. I mean, my dad is actually a pastor. Mm. Uh, he became a pastor later, which is why I didn't mention it in the earlier part. Yeah. But, but I've grown up really discipled in the church. Then I've had all these years uh, with Pastor Oscar, mm-hmm. with Bishop Oscar. And then I've gone to Fuller Seminary and been educated in a sense. Four years. (laughs) Uh, But literally before I started Mavuno, it was 13 years since I I started working with uh, Pastor Oscar. So I've got a foundation that has helped me develop convictions, which is why I say in this season of your life, uh, going back to seasons, that you want to get a mentor. You know, the, the season after school is not the season for run out and make a lot of money. Mm. that's a season for who are the mentors who are going to mentor me so I can discover purpose. Who are the people who are going to, I'm going to stand on their shoulders so I can see far. And so I think that is what for me allowed me. I remember when we started Mavuno years later, people would be like, why is this church growing so fast?
2: Mm. I'm like, no, 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 you're
1: seeing you, now. You, you're, you're you should seen, be seeing what happened many, <laughs> many years. The, 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 yeah, the process that has brought us to this place. Mm. Yeah.
2: So. And I think I'll, that's why I love the documentation of this. Even I who... Consider myself and my wound Diehard didn't know half of these stories. Yeah. Uh, so, so the power of, of telling the story. Okay. So you come back to to let's continue the story. You come back to, um, chapel. Come back to chapel. Yeah. Chapel a lot a lot has changed. What happens
1: next? So chapel's changed. Um, chapel has um, began. A, we go through a process at that point by a lot of land. I mean, so we, so Nairobi chapel is landlocked. What's blown. what's your role? My role right now, because when I went, remember, as a youth pastor, uh, came back as an outreach pastor. Mm-hmm. Pretty much was almost an executive role because then at that point, I was really between me and Pastor Janet, uh, who had also joined internship at the same time. We were, we were sort of like Pastor Oscar's assistants yes. in a sense. Yeah. But I did a lot of outreach stuff. Uh, so I began to be, I was the one in charge of starting new churches mm-hmm. for Nairobi Chapel. I was also in charge of helping people grow in their faith, discipleship. So I, I got some pretty significant roles. Uh, mm. I think there's no job I've never done at Nairobi Chapel. I did everything, yes. you know. <laughs> I think yeah. it's only Children's Ministry I didn't, wasn't involved in, but I was involved in everything. And um, let me just
2: say that Chapel, when we're talking about Nairobi Chapel, Nairobi Chapel at the time is where Mamlaka was. It's Mamlaka, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, That's it's,
1: where the chapel is. Okay. So we find uh, 14 acres of land, uh, Jamhuri, which is now what currently Nairobi Chapel. We do a, a huge capital campaign, and the, some of this actually happens when we're away and buy this land then when the land is bought um the government changes remember we come back 2000 (laughs) 2002 uh era ends kibaki comes in first thing those guys do is freeze a lot of the land allocations that had happened and 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 purchases because especially anything near a forest yeah they were like z so apparently in jammuhuri there used to be some kind of forested area uh, before a lot of the excisions were done so they're like, you can't even develop that land first. We have to first uh, figure out whether this was actually legal or whether it was your land. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. the church has raised 40 million to buy this land.
2: Then, please so, yeah, note, million.
1: Then it was a huge amount of money. I remember we it was so painful raising it. We did so we climbed mountains. I mean, we did a lot of fundraisers to do it. So I remember at that point, guys we were so disappointed. What is going on? What's God into? Why would we buy this land and use all this money for the government to stop us? But as the elders prayed they began to feel something very interesting. And God sometimes works in your disappointment. eh? Remember the story of sometimes the things don't work out the Mm -hmm. way you want them to. But God has a bigger plan. So what happened actually is that um, in the process, as we prayed, because it took a while to pray. First of all, you're so disappointed, you don't (laughs) even want to pray. eh? And you're like, God, give us our land, give us our land, give us our land. Mm -hmm. Then you stop praying that way and you're like, okay, God, so what are you saying? You know, after you've stopped demanding and you're like, okay, it's not helping me. So you get to the place now where you say, okay, so what what is God saying? So we actually began to ask God, what are you saying to us? And God, the answer he gave to Pastor Oscar and even to the rest of the team was, I never intended for Nairobi Chapel to go into one space. I intended you to multiply and become many churches. And already I've given you what it takes now, not in the future. So do it now. So the, the thought immediately was, take Nairobi Chapel and multiply it into five churches right now. Don't even wait for the day that you'll have more. Uh, I've given you the pastors, I've given you the money to do that. So we're like, wow, I mean, how is that? <laughs> so it was such a crazy idea. And was, the idea was take the five roads that lead into the city and put a, put a significant, uh, the four roads yeah. lead up, uh, so Mombasa road, Wayaki Wing, Gong Long road, yeah. you know, uh, Jogo road, put a significant church in each of those and then leave the one in the center. So one church multiplies into five. And so that's a decision we made. We decided, okay, uh, in a year's time, we're actually going to split this church five ways and go into five different directions. And <laughs> it's it was very insane. Huh? I mean, who does that? And that just tells you the depth of the leadership that this man has, uh, Pastor Oscar, that he's, he's humble enough to do that. So we actually, he, he picked five of his leaders and I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, each of you is going to lead one of those churches. So we actually had like an opportunity to pick uh, I was pretty senior among the guys who were picking, so I had a choice where I wanted to go. Um, but I, I really—I went to school in South B, before I went to Langata, so mm. I, I kind of had like a thing for, South, for, for Mombasa Road. And I just—and I also wanted to go where there are young people, and it's crowded, you know, I like that. So I, 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 I picked to go there. Everybody had a choice to pick where they were going. And then we picked, Chap at that time had five services on a weekend. And so each of us was told... Five services. Actually, we had reduced because before that, we had seven services. I mean, this is why we had to move. Huh? <laughs> so I used to... I mean, and that was, again, some crazy training because you can remember, you can imagine when you were preaching, the month I'd be preaching, I'd be preaching five services on a Sunday, on a weekend. And there's no training like that. I mean, you go through stuff. <laughs> you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about your 10,000 hours of mm. just input. <laughs> I mean, we put in those hours. Huh? And so... So we, in, on one Sunday, it was June, I think it was July 25th, um, we, we had one big, we had a service at Nairobi Chapel. We had our last service at Nairobi Chapel. The next Sunday, every church took off. Like all five churches were starting the same day. What year uh, is this? This was uh, in 2005.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we basically were, had a year to prepare for that move. And here is even the crazier thing. Bishop Oscar, Pastor Oscar took a sabbatical <laughs> that, that year <laughs> and left me and Pastor Janet leading the church and so we actually are the ones who had to sell the vision to the congregation challenge them about and of course you are telling guys you're breaking up the thing that they love eh? Yes. so it was, it was talk about leadership training and growth we had to sell the vision get people excited get people to buy in uh, get equipment for all the churches it was quite an ordeal uh, but I think it was the best leadership training anybody could ever ask for I would never regret the years under Pastor Oscar. I think they really taught me to be the leader I am today. So, one Sunday we were in Narubi Chapel, the next Sunday we were in Mavuno. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today.